You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. enjoyed the long weekend labor day weekend it was full of day baseball yesterday though which was great jack mcmullen peter apple just baseball show tuesday september 7th peter right away robinson cano <laughs> could possibly play baseball next year we, we were having a conversation earlier today trying to sort through our top 10 overrated players God, I mean, that hurts my heart. It's like a dagger going into the chest. But because <laughs> we were, we were tough list. Yeah. It's a tough list. We got to be a little bit mean. And we've been so pro player. And yeah. I feel like this is now going to be the first episode where we're really going at guys. And we'll see. We'll see how people like it. And it hurts, right? We may never it do it again. But exactly where we started was spot track. We started looking at the highest paid players in the game and you don't have to scroll too far to see Robinson Cano. Yeah. And I said, is he like hurt this year? And you said, I think he full blown retired. And and he's still serving a suspension for juicing. It just made me laugh because I thought, you know what? I haven't heard Robinson Cano, Cano's name in a while. Did he retire? (laughs) No, just steroids the entire year. And is he going to play next year? I guess. Is he going to be the second baseman for somebody? Don't the Mets owe him like $22 million when he comes back? They get to pair him and Javi Baez. Imagine that infield. (laughs) (laughs) With Francisco Lindor coming off the bench. And J.D. Davis, really good at defense. (laughs) They're in such a terrible spot. We don't mean to pile on the Mets because they have been winning lately. And it's not over, but it's certainly not. I don't think the beginning of something crazy. I mean, beating the Nationals. I mean, they're not tanking. a playoff team. I think every Mets fan needs to come to terms with the idea that the Mets are not a playoff team this year. I think that's a hard pill to swallow, and I think it's a pill that Mets fans don't even want to put in their hand yet, regardless of taking it in. But, but when are they going to go to CVS and pick it up? After the playoffs are decided. They will think that they're in it. Until they're not statistically, that's that's how Mets fans are. We no love way. Mets fans. They believe in their team until the last drop, but they also given up hope for a while. But also, if you ask them on April fifth, they're like, "Oh, we suck. <laughs> we're not making it. We're not making." No, it. the thi- remember at the beginning of the season, it was the Mets were owning New York and they had the best record and they were the yeah. best team. And all we were hearing from Mets fans is that the Mets have taken over the Metropolitan. Well, not not really. It's so funny. Like they win three in a row and they're going to win the world series and then they lose three in a row. And if the gates of hell are opening up for, you know, Steve Cohen to go right in there. And we have a met on our top 10 overrated players list, a guy who we've, you know, maybe piled on. And I, I think this is a proper time to pile on him enough before we finally say, all right, this guy is just overrated. Here it is. That's it. We're done talking about him. But yeah. we'll probably his name will probably come up a couple more times. Yeah, the rest right. of the season. totally. Uh, <laughs> one guy that is severely underrated right now because I think everybody in baseball knows his name, but your mom probably doesn't know his name. My younger brother probably kind of knows of him, but not too much about him. Wander Franco 
has tied Mickey Mantle for the longest on-base streak for a guy 20 years old or younger. 36 games consecutively, he has reached base for the division leader as a 20-year-old, and he's coming up and doing this a couple of months in to the top prospect in baseball making his major league debut. The expectations were just so high, and he's meeting them right now. He's a freak of nature. And there was a great article in The Athletic that Jason Stark wrote basically going over that. And the title of it is Wander Franco is going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. And I think when you read that, it's like, okay, relax. 20 years old. And he's a young 20. He turns 21 in March. So he'll be almost 20 at the beginning of the start of the next season. Yeah. But when you look at the kind of talent that he's being put into through the first 55 games of his career, I mean, in Stark's article, he has a 2.4 win. He's a 2.4 war guy. The only players that have done that in the last 110 years, Rogers Hornsby, Jimmy Fox, Orlando Cepeda, and then that are still active, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Carlos Correa, and then the rest of the list is A-Rod and Bob Horner. That's it. Oh, my God. It, it's so weird to... And these stats don't even feel cherry-picked. You know, there are some stats where you can point to and say, oh, that's so niche. Like, you can make anybody look like Babe Ruth if you cherry-pick the right stat. But you've got that one. And then how about this one from Adam Berry from MLB.com? Ray's 20-year-old shortstop, Wander Franco, has reached base safely in 36 consecutive games as of yesterday against the Red Sox on Labor Day. The longest active on-base streak in the majors and tied with Mickey Mantle for the longest such streak in American League history by a player 20 years old or younger. Mantle was on base in 36 straight games from September 5th, 1951 to May 4th, 1952. Fellow Hall of Famer Frank Robinson owns the only longer on-base streak by a player under 21 years old, having reached having reached base safely in 43 straight games from May 26th to July 7th of 1956. So two Hall of Famers, two all-time greats in the early to mid-1950s and Wander Franco in the era of the high-velocity fastball and the strikeout is just getting on base all the time. He's become one of the best hitters on the team with one of the best records in all of baseball as a 20-year-old. I mean, think about this. Jason Stark asked an AL exec, about Wander Franco possibly making the Hall of Fame. And this was his quote. Yeah, it might be a tick too soon to say he's going to the Hall of Fame, but I'll put it this way. You're not crazy to think that. How many times when you ask executives, hey, how good do you think this 20-year-old is going to be? They say, you know what? You're not crazy for thinking he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. Like they usually say, let's temper some expectations. Let's talk. Let's. I mean, we we. Um, Ken Davidoff, who we talked to, he's not an he's not an AL exec, but he's a well known name within the baseball media sphere, and he was basically like, oh, halt the brakes on Jason Dominguez. Relax, relax. And now Jason Dominguez is doing very well, but it's the same thing with the execs. Halt the brakes. But with a guy like him, similar to, I think, a Juan Soto, when you just see something these guys can get on base and they can do everything at such a young age, you start to say, let's get on the train early because we do think this is going to happen. I mean, guys that young that you can say that about right now, there are a lot more than there should be in Major League Baseball right now. Talent. Juan Soto's 22 years old, and he's on the fast track to the Hall of Fame. That's crazy. Fernando Tatis Jr. is 22 years old. He looks like a future Hall of Famer. Ronald Acuna Jr. is 23. He looks like a future Hall of Famer. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just hit his 41st home run today, or 40th home run today. 40! Yeah, and I mean, how many of those guys will make the Hall? I don't know. Chances are one of those guys does not make it. But if you're saying this so surely... And you're even saying the chances are... I don't want to bet against any of those names. If, if you're saying the chances are with a 20-year-old that's three months into his major league career, <laughs> he's obviously super stupidly gifted. He's just not bad at anything immediately. No, he's amazing. Like, there's no holes in his game where I see, oh, that's actually not as good as people say. 
Now, right. everything people were saying, it's looking like it's the truth and maybe then some, which is crazy. Right. So what could Wander Franco be as a 21-year-old next year in his first full season of Major League Baseball? He could hit 310. Realistically, he could hit 310. No doubt. Realistically, he could hit 25 home runs. I think so. Realistically, he could drive in 90. I think so. Realistically, he could be a 380 OBP guy. I think realistically, you're looking at 400. I know it's, I know it's uh, realistically, uh, but I think a 300, 400, 500 split is what we'll see from him for the foreseeable future with what you're saying, 25 to 30 home runs. And he's probably going to steal 20 to 25 bags. He's going to play good defense too. Right. He's already got one of the strongest arms among the infielders. He's beefy. He looks like he's durable, like he's going to stay around, like he's not going to get hurt. I don't (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I'm a Yankee fan. He's going to be playing us for the next 20 years. Like he could go from 20 to 40. God, it's crazy to play this game with a guy like him. It's crazy. And he he may quickly become overrated. I don't think he will. If I were to bet the house on something, I say that he's properly rated and he's one of the best players in baseball for the next 20 years. Is he a top 10 shortstop already? Oh. Uh Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's crazy. What? That is crazy. Damn, he's a top Damn. 10 shortstop already. Holy shit. And that's a deep position. One oh. of the deepest in baseball. Okay. We've got a couple of shortstops on our overrated list. But before that, we talked about me putting together a something I heard. And I kind of looked inward. What am I doing at this stage of my life? Well, I'm currently in Fort Wayne. The 10 caps have one more week of home games, one more week on the road, and then the minor league baseball season is over. So in about two weeks, I'm moving out of Fort Wayne. I'm going to split my time in between Chicago and Indianapolis. And that got me thinking, let's look at the division leaders around major league baseball and take a gander at the median household incomes in (laughs) those cities. I love this so far. You go. Yeah. All right. Our division leaders are the Milwaukee Brewers, the Atlanta Braves, and the San Francisco Giants in the National League. They're the Tampa Bay Rays, the Houston Astros, and the Chicago White Sox in the American League. I'm going to work lowest to highest. Milwaukee has the lowest medium household income. So, you know, pretty easy spot to live. Good quality of life. I love Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You know I love Milwaukee. Oh, I know. $42,000. Cool. Cool to me. Take a step up to Houston. Good spot to live. Great 50, $52,000 median household income. Seems low. Seems a little low. Doesn't it? Tampa, 57000 median household income. Interesting. St. Pete. Okay. Right, Florida. It, it makes sense. A lot I of think Houston would be way higher. I'm so surprised it's $52,000. Uh, it, it's a massive city, dude. It really is. It's massive. Yeah. Chicago. If St. Pete's at 57, what do you think Chicago's at? 65. 58. I was off. I was thinking, you know, big city. It's got to be expensive. Atlanta is a bit higher than Chicago. They're $2,000 higher at $60,000. Interesting. Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. So Atlanta median household income is 60K, Chicago 58. What do you think? the median household income in San Francisco, California is. It's got to be high as shit. Atlanta <sighs> is the second highest at 60000 I don't, you know what I hate? When people say, when people give you a number or people give you a situation and they say guess, and you're obviously looking for a high number, but then they totally outguess. And then you just kind of look like a, like a loser. Just yeah. kind of like, well, and then you got to go back on your statement, ruins the whole story. So instead of me guessing, how about you just tell me? Because I, I'm, I was about to guess something absurd, and I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. Okay. One hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Oh my god! I was going to get seventy five. I should have just freaking guessed. You should have just guessed. One twelve. One twelve. Median household income in San Francisco, California, is one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Milwaukee is about three times less than that at $42,000. My mouth is open. 112000 
Where does that, I don't know if you did more research on this. Do you know where like New York or LA, where those rank in median house incomes? Because 112,000, I know San Francisco, they tax the shit out of everybody. It's beautiful there. Love San Francisco. Oracle is an amazing baseball stadium. But 112,000 seems like a lot. So for reference, New York hovers around 60,000, much like Atlanta. LA is at 68,000. And then Seattle, which I know is a pretty expensive spot, is 102,000. Really? Yeah. Denver is 68,000. And then San Francisco has to be number one in the country. Yeah, easily. I I mean, you've heard those things about the poverty line in San Francisco. It's like yeah. over $100,000. How the hell? But yeah, $112,000 is the median household income in the San Francisco metropolitan area. And it, I, I don't want to say it makes sense because that is criminally cruel to people that make under that, which is pretty yeah. much everybody. <laughs> but Seattle, tons of tech startups. And then San Francisco is, you know, tech heaven, right? Silicon Valley. I guess it does make sense. Yeah. All right. I'm good with it. Kind of nuts, though. And I really am surprised about Houston. And I cannot believe that San Francisco has overtaken Milwaukee by 3x. (laughs) It's crazy. That's crazy. crazy. Because Milwaukee's a great place to live in. Milwaukee's a great place. I've got one of my best friends that lives out in San Francisco, and he loves San Francisco. Um, I, it, it feels very financially unfeasible for a lot of people. Like if I saw this number and I was moving out there, I would just have an anxiety attack on the plane. Like I'm a very anxious, highly wound person. And I would just be like, how the hell am I going to afford to eat ramen? I have no idea. Making six figures in your average. Right. I mean, shit. (laughs) That six figures was like, Oh, in America, you're comfortable as hell. Six figures. You know, you'll be good. You'll be set for life. Nope. Not in San Francisco. Six figures for a sandwich. Yeah. All these guys that we're about to talk about make a lot more than six figures. They are up near seven, eight. They sign nine figure deals. And a lot of them just aren't really living up to the hype right now. Just spit on my water. I don't know. We're talking most overrated players in baseball. Kind of same deal as last week. I took the most underrated pitchers. You took the most underrated hitters. Now we flip-flop. So you took the most overrated pitchers. I took the most overrated hitters. And we each put together top fives. We're not necessarily doing honorable mentions this go-around. Because the way we looked at it was there are a lot of guys that are at the top in terms of payroll, uh, annual value on their salary or annual value on their contract and they just suck and i think everybody knows that they just suck so why don't we start with those guys you can rattle those off we'll start with the we all know that they're bad list and just started off zach Britton, reliever for the yankees he used to throw 97 now he throws 92 blows games is hurt i just don't think he's that good of a reliever anymore eric hosmer grounds out more than he puts the ball into the air is just not that good. And he's not even making up for it defensively, really. Will Myers, just not really that good at anything. Like, kind of okay at everything, which makes him average, but then he makes a shit ton of money. And then two pitchers. Patrick Corbin has been one of, if not the worst pitcher in baseball this year. I mean, since the crackdown of Sticky Substance, which... We'll get into 727 ERA. And then followed closely by another guy on the list, Dallas Keuchel, 726 ERA in 53 innings since the crackdown. This is the list of we all know they're bad. They're not overrated. They just suck. You just named two of the four highest ERAs among qualified starters in Major League Baseball. Yeah, they're just not very good. Patrick Corbin. That's a 6-1-4 ERA across 27 starts. Dallas Keuchel has a 5-2-2. Patrick Corbin, let's say that <laughs> among qualified starters, is the only guy with an ERA over six. Next highest is Jordan Lyles, who everybody knows sucks, and he's at 5-6-3. So he is more than half a run worse than the second worst guy 
in Major League Baseball. Patrick Corbin signed for a lot of money. A lot of money. I feel bad. He's a Central New Yorker, man. We got we to gotta give some Syracuse love. I know. This and Syracuse High School alum. Patrick Corbin, 2019 World Series, was a dog in the playoffs. And now he's the worst. Like, we talk about worst pitchers in baseball. Jake Arrieta's name comes up a lot. Matt Harvey's name comes up. Patrick Corbin and Dallas Keuchel really are in that mix. They really are. Hey, uh, fun story for any of our niche Syracuse Central New York people listening. Uh, Patrick Corbin, just mentioned, went to CNS from Clay, New York, which is in Central New York. Um, Right after he balled out in the World Series, I was walking by. This wasn't right after. This was like month, month and a half afterwards. So, you know, late, late December, just before Christmas. Uh, I was staying late on Syracuse's campus because I had to work the Syracuse basketball slate. And I was going to fly back, you know, December 23rd. I see an ad at Lucy's, Orange Crate Brewing Company, on the campus of Syracuse University. Celebrity guest bartender Patrick Corbin on New Year's Eve. No way. (laughs) At Lucy's, at Orange Crate Brewing Company, like the campus bar at Syracuse University on New Year's Eve when no students are on campus Patrick Corbin was the celebrity bartender no way yes yes that's crazy why I don't know I don't know no idea oh no Patrick I I know make plenty of money out of the good uh uh oh (laughs) That's a very niche story. And if anybody that went to Syracuse University is listening, they're going to die. And if you didn't go to Syracuse, just know it's like local guy comes back and serves a drinks at an empty bar on New Year's Eve. And you're Syracuse, New York, when it's negative 40 degrees out and snowing like you've never seen before. God, horrible. Just horrible. Yeah, I, you know, with Britain, I do want to bring up this idea Aaron Bummer has gotten a lot of good pub over the last year year and a half and the highest compliment that Aaron Bummer has gotten is Aaron Bummer is what Zach Britton used to be seriously he's why Zach Britton threw a 97 mile an hour sinker and it was otherworldly guys were grounding out like crazy striking out like crazy he was pairing it with the slider fantastic I mean we were even talking about Logan Webb sinker slider it works yeah He's a different pitcher. It's averaging under 92 miles an hour. Yeah. That's not the same pitch. And that's when that's your one pitch. And that's like where you make your money. And it drops off a cliff like that. It's not like the stuff is the same and he's going through troubles. He's simply just worse. Mm-hmm. That's the simplest way to put it. Hey, quick question. Since... <laughs> Since 2015, have you seen a single Will Myers highlight? What does he do? I don't really know. <laughs> like be, a, a very you diehard baseball fan could could realistically think he doesn't play baseball anymore. <laughs> like Robinson Cano. <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is, Will Myers always got to respect. No batting gloves. <laughs> That's that's his claim to fame. And did that make him almost seem better than he was? Yeah, probably. Probably, because it was like, (laughs) well, he might strike out a little bit more, but he's not wearing batting gloves, so it's not his fault. Right. He's he's a man of the soil, brick and mortar guy. Man. (laughs) All right. Let's get into the top five most overrated pitchers and players. Let's start with pitchers, finish with hitters. So you go first with number five. I will go first with number five. The fifth most overrated pitcher in all of baseball is Hunjin Ryu of the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm. Ryu isn't a bad pitcher by any stretch of the imagination, but he certainly isn't close to the top 10 pitcher that you all were screaming at us about when we made our lists earlier this year. That's one of the reasons why he's the fifth most underrated or overrated pitcher, but here are some more. Since the sticky stuff cracked down, and you'll see that as a trend on this list, Ryu has a 4.75 ERA. That's ninth worst for those who qualify in that span. And he's only striking out seven guys per nine innings. His ERA is near four this year. And his advanced numbers don't really indicate that he's been all that unlucky. He's 34. 
and he'll be 35 by the start of 2022. He doesn't rely on velocity, so we won't see a huge dip in production, but I think he reached a peak in 2018 and 2019, and now we'll start to see Ryu, Ryu start to trend in the wrong direction while making $20 million a year. Thank you for correcting yourself from Ryu to Ryu. <laughs> we were... I always get it wrong. Ryu just sounds cooler, even though I know it's Ryu. Um, here's my thought with, with Hyunjin Ryu. Didn't it always kind of feel when he was really balling out with the Dodgers? For me, it always kind of felt like he could get blistered at any given moment. If there was any start that he could roll out there and it's like, oh, eight spot put up against Hyunjin Ryu. It didn't happen, which, you know, shame on me for thinking that. It didn't happen, but it's happening now. There are some outings, right? There are some outings where you see a three-run second and then a four-run fourth. Like, there are blow-up innings because when he doesn't have picture-perfect command of an 89-mile-an-hour fastball, he can't really work off anything else. And it's not going to get better, right? There's no, okay, he's going to fix something and then get better. It, I just think this is going, this is the start of a downhill trend that we will see. And it's also, I don't want to, Ryu is not a bad pitcher by no, any stretch no, no. of the imagination. No, he's not. But he's just not even close to a top 10 pitcher that yeah. everyone was just in our ass about. Yeah. He just isn't. And I don't even think he's top 20. I don't think he's top 30. Overrated. Okay, we might get killed for this. If we get killed for you, for Ryu, we're, we're going to get killed for this one. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the fifth most overrated player in baseball is Salvador Perez. God, that hurts to say. Like, we, we may actually get annihilated. He's such a likable guy. And he's the first catcher to hit 40 bombs since 2003. That's a really long time ago. Jorge Lopez in 2003. I don't even remember Jorge Lopez. <laughs> Me neither. But Salvador Perez has not really ever been that guy that some people make him out to be. He was a defensive beast when he made six straight all-star games, 2013 to 2018. But he was an above-average hitter in terms of OPS+, plus, just two out of those six years. So he was a below-average hitter, but he was the best defensive catcher in the game. So everybody loved it, and he commanded a, a phenomenal Royals staff, and they were winning, and it, everything was roses. Past two years offensively have been a different story, and he's one of the most feared big boppers in baseball right now. But his defensive abilities are just gone. He's without question the worst defensive catcher in baseball. He's almost twice as bad as the next guy in terms of pitch framing metrics. He is terrible behind the plate, and he still occasionally throws runners out. But Salvador Perez is I, he's a liability defensively. He's a really good hitter, but I don't know. These first two guys that we talked about, Ryu and Salvi, I think are both perfect examples of guys we don't think are bad. We just think when we hear people talk about these players, we say, hold up, wait a minute. There are underlying things that we see that we think now they're overrated. Doesn't mean they're bad. Doesn't even mean that they're below average. It just doesn't mean that Salvador Perez is the best catcher in baseball or Ryu is a top 10, top 15 pitcher. They just aren't. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? (laughs) I thought that was very funny when you said, hold up, wait a minute. That just got my mind there. But okay. Wait a minute. (laughs) Take, Take us to number four. Remember when Kyle Gibson was a hot commodity a couple months ago? Well, that may have been a bit short lived. He is now your fourth most overrated starting pitcher in all of baseball. Since joining the Phillies, he has a 4-4-6 ERA and is only striking out five and a half batters per nine innings. Again, he's not a bad pitcher. He's just simply not nearly as good as people make him out to be. His pitch mix, average. He doesn't command the ball all that well. He's walking a ton of guys. And since that sticky stuff cracked down, He has a 4.52 ERA. I really do think that Kyle Gibson is closer to an average big league pitcher than even a really good one. I agree with you. And it's weird because 
I was kind of thinking that the entirety of this year. I know you were too. You were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Absolutely. And I think you kind of jumped on the train at the deadline, like, oh, this guy could be a legit ad. And I was like, is he really going to be a legit ad? And then it turns out that he wasn't a legit ad. He is, he just doesn't do anything that makes you think that he can get through seven scoreless innings. Right. There's nothing that pops out. And it's almost my fault. Because I kind of felt like I needed to put him on the overrated list because I was also tooting the horn, like you said, that he would be a good deadline ad. I never really saw how he was good, but I almost thought, well, I can't argue with the fact that he's actually getting hitters out. Yeah. He's six six right-hander. I thought, you know what? Maybe he is somehow figuring something out. But I feel like I just should have trusted my gut and realized he doesn't really have anything that makes him special. Yeah, here's my thing with Kyle Gibson. I look at him the same way as I look at Nick Pavetta right now. Right? I think that's pretty Absolutely perfect example. So Pavetta can get you through six innings of one-run ball. He is a very solid four for the Red Sox. Kyle Gibson was being looked at as a two at the deadline. And I think we both kind of sat there and were like, hold on, what? Why is is he a two right now? And I think it's just because the starting pitcher market was really shitty at the deadline, except for Scherzer and Barrios. It was those two, and then a humongously massive drop-off there. Yeah. And then Kyle Gibson was the next best one. So, I don't know. I, I agree with you on Kyle Gibson. He's just super, super average. I agree. Just like an average guy. A guy that was by no means average and is just really underwhelming this year. Granted, I know injuries have played a factor, but Anthony Rendon is the fourth most overrated player in baseball. I get that he's banged up. I do. And yes, I understand that he was consistently really, really good until this year. He hit 300 with 40-plus doubles each of his last three years in Washington, but didn't get the kind of sort of, or didn't the thought just like kind of sort of creep into the back of your mind that, maybe the angels shouldn't be committing $250 million to this guy over seven years. Boris bump. I know Scott Boris always gets better contracts for his clients than they're supposed to get, but he was always just really, really good. Not great. And I don't think I could have called him a top three third baseman in the game at any point without really thinking through that. He was three to five but if you said, oh, without a doubt, he's, he's a top three third baseman in baseball. There was never really a point where I'd say, yeah, absolutely. You're spot on about that. I am incredibly concerned with the injury issues. I don't think Anaheim botched on the Josh Hamilton, Albert Pujols level, but I'm willing to put it in Sharpie that I thought this was a drastic overpay. And so far I'm right. And that kind of sucks. I will vouch for you. I remember it. We were talking about it. It's kind of, I mean, isn't it nerve-wracking whenever the Angels now sign a big hitter? It almost might not even be Rendon's fault. It might just be a curse now. Right. Like if, if Shohei, well, Trout, Trout when he's healthy Trout's, is Mickey Mantle, but listen, Trout, Trout's, getting hurt. Trout's not staying on the field right now. When Shohei Otani signs his $80 million a, a year deal, like. He'll probably know, forget how to pitch. He might go to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And a guy who seems like he's forgotten how to pitch is a Roldis Chapman of the New York Yankees. Yankee fans are all too familiar seeing the Yankee season ends at the hands of their flamethrower, a Roldis Chapman. This really hurts because I personally ranked him as the number one reliever in baseball, considering he added what looked like to be an unhittable third pitch. But let me show you where he ranks among qualified relievers since June 1st. ERA, 146th out of 156 at oh 623 whip 154th out of 156 1.88 fip 152nd out of 156 oh. 6.01 x fip 100th out of 156 445 and his walk percentage is 154th out of 156 Oh, my God. That's just so bad. And he continues to make close to $20 million a year as a reliever. I just don't know if I trust him 
anymore to get big outs. And that'll be a huge issue come playoff time. That's crazy. Yeah. I was, I was going through cards earlier this year, and we did it on a prior episode. Is this worth more than $6? And I showed Aram an Araldis Chapman rookie card with Cincinnati. And he said, oh, my, that could be worth a lot. Araldis Chapman was looking like a Hall of Famer at the beginning of this year. And then this shit happens. It's hard because you called Araldis the best reliever in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> We just addressed this on Friday. I called James Karinczak the best reliever in baseball. We didn't do too. That's like the only list we really just didn't do great at. But we did it before June 21st. Relievers suck. They're so hard. You never know what's going on in these guys' heads. God, I mean, Devin Williams was like top 10, and now he's getting better. But at the beginning of the year, he looked like shit. (laughs) What's going on? How does this work? That's why you just never should pay relievers anything. You just never know. I you really of, just never remember when Craig Kibrell had like a six ERA. That was yeah, back to being the lead again. It's like you just you just you just throw the. It's like the draft lottery. You just take a ping pong ball and you just take one out and hopefully it hits. Dude, I mean the White Sox paid Liam Hendricks and he's just bomb a Pelosa right now. He's just letting up homer after homer. <laughs> I feel like a couple weeks ago we called the best reliever in baseball. <laughs> Oh, speaking of a guy that is drastically overpaid, but holy shit, do I love him. Andrew McCutcheon just homered. Yeah. i a big fan of uh, Uncle Larry, but uh, he makes way too much money. I also bet on the Brewers in that game. And uh, God, what a horrible game. 5 nothing right now yeah. as Thanks. we record at 447 on Monday afternoon. Okay. 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 I want everybody to understand something right now. I genuinely used to love Javier Baez. He was easily my favorite player to watch in baseball in 2018 when he finished top five in NL MVP voting. I mean, he was El Mago in in purest form, but now he's the third most overrated player in baseball. Something has just gone horribly wrong. He is not speaking hyperbolically, one of the worst players in baseball in terms of strikeout rate and walk rate. I'm serious. He's in the top 1% in strikeouts and the bottom 1% in walks drawn. Let's put this another way. He's striking out 35% of the time. He's 28. The only time the strikeout rate has been worse in his career was when he played in 50 games and hit 170 as a 21-year-old rookie. The stubbornness kills me. It's been seven years, and he still can't lay off a slider low and away in a righty-righty matchup, which, by the way, is the majority of matchups that you see. And for everyone telling me that he's a defensive wizard, he's a defensive liability. He makes Sports Center's top 10 more than the average shortstop, but he, he is literally in the bottom half of the league in outs above average, and he leads the National League in errors committed. Javi Baez is a mess right now. (laughs) Dealing with team failure for the first time. And oh my God, is he crashing and burning? It's really hard to watch. Oh God. (laughs) That was amazing. All right. We promise not to keep piling on him till next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are we? And you know where this all, I mean, this isn't an all-star because Javier Baez has been bad, but we just get so much Javier Baez love. We get so much. Like, I remember a couple months ago, Javier Baez is better than Tatis. Javier Baez is better than Trey Turner. No, no, What the hell are you all smoking? He's just not that good. God, he's He's just not that good. He slides in really cool ways. Yeah, and he's flashy. He makes tags in really cool ways. I wonder if he found his earring that's still on the field. Dude, here's my thing. It's like (laughs) he has always been a frustrating player. Yes. Even when he was, you know, I think he finished second in NL MVP voting in 2018. Aside from that year, he's played six years in Major League Baseball. And he has frustrated the hell out of Cubs fans every year. There is something super frustrating about watching Javier Baez play baseball. And it is the flashy play comes in the third and in the fourth, he botches the play that has an out probability north of 90%. Or he just chases three sliders low and away against a reliever that only throws sliders low and away. If he saw Adam Adovino right now, he'd go down on three pitches. That's just who Javi is as a player. And that has to change. 
I know Joe Madden was frustrated with Javi with that. He was. When he was managing him for years, he would say, as soon as he learns to lay off that pitch, he's going to be unbelievable. And he just never learned. How do you never learn? He just never learned. How do you and never it- learn? We talked to Michael Schwimmer, and he said the same thing about Bryce Harper, right? He couldn't lay off that buried breaking ball. And once he figured out how to lay off that buried breaking ball, he was the MVP. He doesn't do it anymore, and he might win NL MVP again. Think about it. Do you think he cares? He's almost got 30 home runs this year. Do you think he cares about striking out? Do you think that matters to him? Do you think maybe in his head we're just not playing the same game? We might not be playing the same game. He might look at Wander Franco's game and say, I don't really want to do that. I want to hit 30 Exactly. That's, that's the thing. It's like, does he even want to migrate towards that kind of player? Or is he like, yeah, screw it. I love hitting bombs. I don't know. And another guy that had an amazing 2018 season and just hasn't been that good since is the second most overrated pitcher in all of baseball. His name is Aaron Nola. And I don't mean to keep piling on the Philadelphia pitching staff, but since 2018, he has a 4.01 ERA, yet is regarded as one of the better pitchers in the National League. He's just not. But he's not bad. But again, by no stretch is he an ace. And I would argue he's closer to a three or a four in a strong playoff rotation. Jeez. The sticky substance crackdown has also not been too kind, Aaron Nola. He has the ninth worst ERA in baseball since June 21st at 4.95 for those that qualify. His ERA this season is north of four and a half. And yes, he's been a bit unlucky when you look at the advanced metrics, but isn't he just supposed to be way better than this? He's 28. He should be in his prime right now. But if this is all he's got, well, the Phillies just need to add more starters if they want to make a push in the playoffs. Did I make it clear enough that I used to love Javi Baez? Because I used to love Aaron Nola. Me too. Going into this year, I I sprinkled a couple of bucks on Aaron Nola to win the NL Cy Young because I thought this was the year he's going to turn it around. Him at LSU. Him at LSU was the best college pitcher I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Really? Him him at LSU and then, honestly, maybe Kumar over the last couple of years. Those are the two that jump out to me. Glider was pretty good last year. Lighter was good last year, but I, Kumar, dude, there's something about Kumar Rocker. I, I hope, I hope everything works out for him. Okay. But yeah, Aaron Nola at LSU. And when he came up and he was dominant for a couple of starts and Nola has that, he, he has out 10 guys in a row earlier this year. He's still striking out a ton of guys, but he but, just has a knack for giving up home runs. Yes. He will walk guys. He has big innings. He doesn't go as deep into games as he once did. Yeah. He's just, I think people are just hanging on to that 2018 season, similar to a Baez saying, this is going to be the year now. No, this is going to be the year. He had a rough year, this excuse, this excuse. And it's just like, all right, it's the end of 2021. He's having another not too good of a season. Is 2022 finally the liftoff? Like when does Aaron Nola become an ace again? Yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I think Nola and Baez are very similar. Kind of similar. But Baez, <laughs> Baez strikes out too much. <laughs> oh, God. Would Baez hit a home run off Nola or strike out? If they had 50 at-bats against each other. I 25 think, home runs, 25 Ks. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking 40 Ks and 10 homers. It's probably closer to accurate. Ah. No in between. No walks. No. No Maybe singles. Two Maybe two walks. When's Javi walking? At a 4% 4%. clip. Yeah, so two out of 50. Two. Yeah, he'll get two walks in there. (laughs) Two walks, eight bombs, 40 Ks. I think it's accurate. It's kind of like what he's done this year. God. Uh, The second most overrated player in Major League Baseball is Cody Bellinger. Oof. He was so fun from 2017 to 2019. He hit 305 with a 406 OBP and 47 bombs two years ago in his MVP season. But we started to see that slide in 2020. They won a World Series, so it was all okay. And this year, oh, this year, I know he was dealing with some injuries, but he has been absolutely dreadful. His OBP's at a career low by 100 points. 
his slugging percentage is at a career low by 100 points. He's hitting 167 in 80 games. 167 in 80 games. I'll say it one more time. He's hitting 167 in 80 games. He's chasing a ton of pitches. He's swinging and missing all the time. And he's got a lower expected batting average than Jared Kelnick, Jackie Bradley Jr., and A.D. Eugenio Suarez. He is an elite defensive outfielder, and I so badly want to be wrong and for this to just be a down year. But I'm super worried the old belly's gone. Hmm. It, this one's really tough because as a as a person, like watching Bellinger's personality, he's oh, infectious. I love him. Smile, dude. Makes me smile. He's an elite defender in center field. That hasn't changed. But goddamn, he just doesn't hit. He doesn't hit with runners in scoring position. He doesn't hit when nobody's on. He doesn't even walk. He's not. The power's gone. And this was the. This was an MVP. This was a guy who we thought was going to hit 40 home runs on a consistent basis. And we always knew the swing was long, but he was figuring it out. He was hitting in the 272, 82, 90. He could hit the high at batting average. And it's like, it's like someone in that basketball movie with Bow Wow. <laughs> like Mike? Like Mike. He gets the shoes and he turns into Jordan. It seems like Cody Bellinger just took the Cody Bellinger shoes off. No, no. Hold on. If we're talking shitty basketball movies that this is like, uh, Thunderstruck with Kevin Durant. Did you see it? It was a Kevin Nickelodeon. Kevin Durant has a movie? Kevin Durant has a movie. It was when he was with Oklahoma City. And it was um, not John Belushi, but Jim Belushi, his brother. <laughs> Rest up, John Belushi. But, I mean, it was so bad. And the, and the premise <laughs> of the movie, it was a Nickelodeon special. The premise of the movie was Kevin Durant, like, signed something and like took a picture with this high school kid that didn't make his JV team. And then the, the kid, sorry, spoiler alert for anybody that wants to watch this horrible movie, but um, the kid is like, I wish I'd be as good as you one day. And Kevin Durant's like, uh, you know, it's like a freaky Friday, but with basketball. And then all of a sudden Kevin Durant sucks. And this kid has Kevin Durant's abilities and like, They've got to do something <laughs> to get it back. It was actually Freaky Friday with basketball. And it's. <laughs> oh, man, Kevin Durant. Uh, I mean, regardless, it just looks like someone just sucked the soul out of Cody Bellinger offensively. Yeah. And it's just sad to see because they're going to need him in the playoffs. And we were talking to Dustin about who you would start in your outfield. When you have Chris Taylor, you have AJ Pollock, you have Mookie Betts. Like I'm uh, Cody Bellinger. Sorry. You're on the bench. Cody Bellinger. You're on the bench and you're coming in as a defensive replacement of the eighth. The most overrated and pitcher in baseball may shock some of you, but man, oh man, has he been dreadful since the sticky substance crackdown. You Darvish is the most overrated pitcher in all of baseball. Let me take you through his season and show you where things went South in April, May, and June. He had an ERA below three. Look great. But since the sticky substance crackdown, he has an absurdly bad 6-2-7 ERA. But let's look even deeper. Darvish, since July 1st, among 116 qualified starters with at least 40 innings, he's 114th out of 116, 7-5-7. He's 99th out of 116 in FIP at 5.33. He's 110th out of 116 in home runs per nine at 2.66. And it's not like he's been facing this tough competition. Over that stretch, he faced the Diamondbacks three times, the Marlins, the Rockies at home, the Nationals, the Phillies, and then the Braves and the Dodgers. Wait, And I don't want to hear about all the injuries. Hold on. The Rockies at at Coors or the Rockies at Petco? At Petco. Okay, the Rockies at Coors are like murderers row Yankees. The Rockies at Petco are like the Diamondbacks. Exactly. And I don't want to hear about all the injuries. Everyone's dealing with them. And back tightness shouldn't turn you from an elite to bottom of the barrel after three months. Ask yourselves, with Blake Snell heating up and Joe Musgrove continues to dominate, do you want him pitching more than once in a playoff series? My brain says no. You Darvish, 
is one of the more frustrating guys in recent memory in Major League Baseball. Because he came over from Japan as this cannot miss, he immediately becomes a top 10 pitcher in baseball. And he was. It was what? It was one of his first couple of starts in his major league career. He like took a no hitter into the ninth inning. He, he can be phenomenal or just like you can't put him on the mound. And that's what he's been since June, since July. You know, I read something back in like 2018, I think, when the Cubs first got him, maybe 2019, that you Darvish is the worst pitcher in baseball seeing the first hitter of a game, the leadoff hitter in a game. Uh, apparently, like OPS for the leadoff man to open a you Darvish start was like far and away the best in baseball by like several hundreds of points. Mm. Um, I, I think that has a lot to do with where you Darvish struggles. I think it might be mental a little bit. It might be mental. He throws like 12 pitches, right? Yeah. Honestly, if you throw 12 pitches, chances are it's because you're not confident in four. Think about it that way. If you Think really about felt it that good, way. If you really felt good about your four pitches or maybe even a five pitch mix, you wouldn't need to add a sixth. And if you felt good about three of those six, you certainly wouldn't try and add a seventh or an eighth or a ninth or a tenth. I mean, we see guys with two pitches get outs. And I know I said I don't care about injuries, and I think that's unfair. But what I've heard from you, Darvish, is that you can't blame it on the sticky stuff, and you have to blame it on the injuries because he's he's had back tightness, right? But he's still thrown. And you can't just blame it all on that. It's been three months. It's been three months of this. If he has back tightness, then shut him down. Shut him down? If he shouldn't be pitching, shut him down for a month and let him get fine. And it's not like he's not throwing 95 anymore. He's still throwing 95. So it's not like it's crushing him. Yep. All right, man. Most overrated player in baseball is Trevor Story. Did you know there are 11 active Trevors in Major League Baseball right now? There are four active Jacks and three active Pete slash Peters. That's kind of cool. I would think that those two names would be a lot more frequent than Trevor, but holy Trevor, 11 <laughs> of them. Especially Jack. I would think there would be a lot of Jacks. Yeah, I would think so too. I think I still counted Jackie Bradley Jr. as a Jack. Counts. Close enough. Close enough. But the Trevor that we focus on, Trevor's story, is having the worst defensive season of his career. He was branded as the bridge man between Tulo and Brendan Rodgers that was just too good to be just a time buyer because of his power, his speed, and his defense. Let's work backwards. Defense is as bad as it's ever been. Now to his speed. He had 15 bags in 59 games in 2020. He has 18 bags in 121 games in 2021. So the rate there has just fallen off a cliff. And then the power. Over his last two full seasons, 2018-2019, Story averaged 36 bombs and 97 driven in. If you expand his 2020, he had the equivalent to 30 homers and 84 driven in. So a little bit of a decline at Coors, but not too bad. He'll be lucky to sniff either of those numbers this year. And let's be honest here. With a lot of these power and speed do both guys, we tend to blatantly ignore the swing and the miss. Javi Baez until this year. This is actually the first time in Story's six-year career that he has fewer strikeouts than games played. And he's still in the bottom third in the league in whiff rate. So if he's having his best contact year and he's still striking out what feels like all the time, that proves you were never really that good at putting the ball in play consistently. Coors Field Effect... He is the poster boy for that. Yeah. More so than Arenado. I know a lot of people. More so than Arenado. A lot of people, full disclosure, were saying, and a lot of people with Just Baseball were saying that Nolan Arenado should be on this list. But the reality is Arenado is going to have 30 bombs and 90 RBIs this year, and he's going to hit around 280. He's going to have more than that. He has 29 right now. He'll probably end the season with 35 with 100. And he might hit 260, you know. But 
I mean, the glove is still fantastic and 35 and 100 is speaks for itself. I have something crazy to say that's maybe not even that crazy. Wander is better than Trevor's story. Uh, no, that's not crazy. Like that, that should go to show you that Trevor story is the most overrated player in baseball. If you consider the fact that people are out there right now saying he's still the best shortstop in baseball over Tatis over Bogarts over Trey Turner. When you can make the argument, he's not a top 10 guy. And there is, and we're not saying Trevor story is bad. He's just not an elite elite guy. And he's going to be a free agent after the year too. And it'll be interesting to see how the market evaluates him. And I think a lot of people are going to be shocked by how little that he gets. To wrap up the pod, let's play a game that I think Coward pretty much invented. I love Colin Coward. You love Colin Coward. I do. Shout out to you, Colin Coward, man. But he plays a game often where he takes a young quarterback and Joy goes rapid fire asking him, Baker Mayfield or Justin Herbert? And he says, Herbert, quick reason why. Okay? So I'm going to be Joy. You're going to be Colin. Yes. I'm going to throw you Trevor Story or, and I want one sentence telling me why. Okay? Okay. And we're going to count to 10. Okay. Trevor Story or Xander Bogarts? Xander Bogarts, not close. Better hitter. Maybe not a better defender, but I just would way rather have Xander Bogarts. That was a great coward impersonation. Better hitter. Way better hitter. Yeah, I'm, 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 he's coming through me right now. If for the sake of counting to 10, Story or Tatis? Tatis, not even close. Story or Bichette? Bichette. Story or Tim Anderson? Tim Anderson. I don't even need to do it. It's just like, this is clear to me now. Tim Anderson is a better hitter and a much better defender. Yep. It is what it is. Okay, so Story is after both Trey Turner, yep. that's five, and Corey Seager, that's six. Yep. Story or Correa? Correa. I mean, look at what Correa is doing this year. Yep. It's like not even close. He's having the best defensive season of his career, and he rakes. We're at seven. Next year, Brandon Crawford just signed, I think, a three-year deal, two- or three-year deal to stay in San Francisco. For 2022, you want Brandon Crawford or Trevor Story? That one's tough. It is I tough. would go Trevor Story. Okay, so that's still seven. I can go elsewhere. Um, how about we go to... I'm, I'm thinking uh, geographically. Um, who else am I missing right now? I'm just thinking about shortstops. Would I rather have him than Dansby Swanson? Yes, I would rather yeah, have Story. Yeah, that's stupid to say otherwise. You go around the league. Mariners, J.P. Crawford, I'd rather have. Okay, I would rather have Francisco Lindor than Story. That one, it gets dicey. I still I think I would rather have Lindor. I really do think I'd rather have Lindor as well. And then I'd rather have Wander. Okay, so that's nine. This may be blasphemous because Glaber Torres is not having a good year. No. So what we, <laughs> what we just counted without even having any sort of research done, just by our own impression, Trevor Story would be our 10th pick in a shortstop draft. Willie Adamas. I'd rather have story than Willie Adams. Would you? God damn, I don't know. I think you're right. But the fact that it's even that close is insane. It is. It's really insane. (sighs) Okay. He's at Peter Apple 23 on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore McMullen 11 on Twitter. We're at just baseball fans, TikTok and Instagram at just BB media, Twitter, twitch.tv slash just baseball. What else are we on? We're on YouTube, just baseball. We just actually opened up a Discord as well, which is fun. And you guys can join that through the link in our bio. And if you are enjoying the podcast, it would mean the world to us if you could leave a five-star review and a written note letting you know what you like about the pod. We're always trying to grow and get better. And tell us what you like or don't like about the list. I'm sure some players that you heard, you are gasping for air and saying, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. And we'd love to have that debate with you on our TikTok, on our Instagram. So leave comments on YouTube. Let us know where we went wrong. Let us know where we went right. Because there's no way we could have been 100% wrong. And again, make sure to call us ass in the TikTok comments. Twitter, tweet at us. You guys are funny. Ever since we started doing that, people are DMing us being like, 
your podcast, you told us to me to DM to tell you your ass, <laughs> which I love. I got a text from my dad saying, your ass, you told me to say this. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs>